Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of Boots, Balls, and Bras. This week, we are going to do a bit of a follow-up on last week. If you didn't hear, we were at a school in London, uh, one of Eartha's buddies. And in the meantime, we had uh, the amazing announcement that the UK government is actually going to provide more than £6 million in funding. So we're going to chat about that. Obviously, we'll do our football roundup, as we always do. Uh, and our second half, uh, we're doing a bit different today. We're going to um, take some questions from you guys and pop them in there. All right. So heading into our first half, Earth, how, how, how does that make you feel? I mean, after all the work that's gone into it, we saw the Lionesses um, write the letter to the government asking for football to be in schools for girls. And, and now we've had the announcement that there's 600 million pounds in funding. But what does that mean? Yeah, I think it's it's a great announcement. It's it's been a long time coming, I guess. If you're a, an educator or, or in schools, we know how how well this is gonna sort of pan out for for girls to have that equal access. And it's not about having more football for girls. It's about actually them having the same amount. So, for example, if there's a boys after school club, then there should be a girls after school club, etc. So that's really really good. I guess for me, it's really about looking at the detail, like you said, Bex, about what does that actually mean in reality. Um, there's quite a heavy, heavily investment in terms of primary school provision. Um, and I know there's been a lot of research and, and as a secondary school teacher myself, a lot of the time the fallout in terms of girls' participation is in the secondary phase of school. So it, I'm really keen to see what does that realistically look like and knowing timetabling is really difficult. Um, so actually, how is that going to happen on the ground? So it's great on paper, um, but really keen to see what does that look like in, in terms of facilitating that for secondary school girls and then being able to sort of access those pathways. Um, but overall, it, it's always great to sort of have that type of investment. It's just about ironing out those those creases. And, and I assure you, there will be many creases to, to iron out. So this is, take it as version 1.0. Um, and I think before we, to get it right, we most probably have to get to at least version 5.0 so mm. yeah looking forward I think to that it. Was, yeah I think that was my question around it it's great I think obviously the letter that the Lionesses wrote in the summer um, to try and get this funding it, you know has come through so in terms of that and the funding is there now it's a question about how is it being used and how are we going to develop as you mentioned primary school into senior where there's a massive dropout in senior schools in, in terms of female participation mm-hmm. and then the, the wider for, for me it goes beyond you know just ac- uh, education in school in terms of football being into the curriculum it's the after school it's the grassroots teams where does like you know that needs investment and you know that's that's a pathway that's probably being going to be missed out then you go to the elite game the rtcs mm-hmm. um and how that's funded because you know if we are wanting to grow the game and certainly at the elite end of the game and we talk about the future generation of players if we're now heavily investing in primary schools with unqualified you know football experts mm-hmm. are they gonna want to engage in that anyway or is it just about the participation and fun 
um, is, is, is a question for me. But also, you, you think about RTCs. How are we supposed to develop our elite players if they're still on a part-time schedule of twice a week training in an evening, so after school hours, mm. the timings in which they do that, with, again, some of these coaches are, you know, parents that probably want to top up their salary and coach kids and have a, you know, a love for that. So, you know, there's loads of question marks as to what the funding is going to do. Yeah. And I think just kind of back on that sort of allocation of time, like, let's not shy away from, there's already a recommendation of two hours of physical activity, which we're not currently meeting. So a recommendation that, too, you said, right? It's not mandatory. It's not mandatory, but I guess that's where I guess the government are now saying that they should have that time. So mm. it's kind of moving from a recommendation to some sort of potential legislation around it being in the timetable. They already can't find the time as the recommendation. So where are they finding the time due to this legislation? And then when we look at that sort of primary school provision, like even the girls mentioned before when we spoke last week, quite often that's the subject if they need an intervention or if someone does something wrong that's taken out so who's who's going to check that that's ha not happening that's that's the point that, that, that is the point and also you talk about like so you go we, okay recommended two hours right you think about the time girls boys whatever take to get ready mm -hmm. right then they think about the time that then they have to go and get ready unready back into school uniform so already taking out half an hour of that physical yeah. and then you talk about explaining explaining what they're going to do setting up blah 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 you've already lost an hour uh -huh. so actually you're putting all this in <laughs> an hour investment in and you've already lost an hour of time actually the the, the actual contact time in PE anyway yeah. is very limited I remember we used to go out and I'd be like it's finished Farrah, you, you sound like you started. Complained, you right? sound yeah, like I was the one that was complaining right because I'm like two hours it felt like a 10 minute lesson yeah. of actually doing something and it's going to be the same and you're investing all yeah. this money. Surely it would have been better to do like a, invest that money in um, physical education outside of school hours. So an after school club, for example, yeah. where actually you can, everybody can access it at that period or a lunchtime access or whatever, where there's more time yeah. and you're not rushed to get back into other subjects. And this well, is the, ev saying, everybody's fine. That was one of questions too, because like if you look at in the US how they've done it with investment, we had Title IX in 1971, which meant that you had to have equal... Um, investment in the university programs, which meant that uh, it had to be equal investment into sports programs. So technically, you should have the same number of scholarships for men as you do for female athletes. However, what we've seen through the years, and there's a lot of research coming out now, actually, on the fact that it isn't equal. It's nowhere near equal. So there's been something that's been put in place, and everyone sort of attributes Title IX as uh, all the success of female athletes in the U.S. and all the gold medals and everything to Title IX, and yet we're seeing that it hasn't been equal, it hasn't been fair, um, and it has is that money arguably better spent elsewhere? Like you're saying, you know, it doesn't make more sense to spend it at a at a sort of a, a, a level where they're falling out of school, you know, and and create programs or or put more money into clubs, you know, because in the U.S. you have to pay to play, and here the clubs are all self-funded. You know, and then that model, is that sustainable for long term? I mean, I think that that's worth looking at as well. Yeah, I think that that's more of a sustainable model in terms of based on the resources that are currently available. And I think we've got to just be realistic. Like, who's going to hold these people to account if it doesn't happen? That's the problem. This this is the, re this is the, the reality problem. of Investing money into things that are not people that aren't exactly. held accountable. So really, is it going to improve the development? Maybe participation, mm -hmm. because you have to do it. Yeah. It's like you could say particip participation within schools in terms of doing, I don't know, trampolining or hockey, all of these sports that you have to do. Mm -hmm. 
you could say, well, school participation has risen because of that. Yeah. You're forced to do those subjects. 100%. So what I'm saying is that, is that going to increase out of hours? So your grassroots participation and elite participation, I'm not sure. Or is it going to make them even better? I'm not sure. So are you, are you guys saying that, t- like, you would then have preferred that the Lionesses hadn't written that letter to government to get more funding into schools? That that's what we, they should have looked at or we should be looking at funding going into different places rather than what the lions ha- lionesses had requested from the government no i wouldn't i wouldn't say that it, it's needed anyway like in terms of like it, it's not where it should be so that letter is definitely positive in terms of get, being more physically active we look at the impact of and just take football away from it in terms of actually how active should people be how it's impacting society in general obesity how can we create more sports stars or people just living a, a healthy lifestyle that will obviously increase mortality rates etc in terms of extending those but I think in terms of is it specific in terms of football and do we have the resources to track and monitor it it's not really there what it does it's it really just allocates more time of young people being able to do the right things in schools in terms of their physical well-being which is positive, right? Like which that's is, a, at is, least a step positive. in the right. Yeah, exactly. But again, you'll probably, probably get more more letters from home saying my my, my daughter oh or God, can't participate can't in partic- you today. Exactly, which is what happens anyway in, in schools. If the kid doesn't want to do it, mm-hmm. they won't participate. They'll write their own letter or they get a parent's letter. So again, it's not it won't be trackable anyway. But yeah, it's, and, it's great. And, and, and just on that point as well, because I had a head teacher um, reach out to me and she was like, "But what about for the kids who just really don't, don't like? Do it. But they just really just don't like doing physical education." Yeah. <laughs> So it's all, it's about having that autonomy as well in terms of it's not just about them playing football. It's about being creative and knowing your students and making sure you can provide an opportunity for them to be physically active as a group, as a collective and their voices, I guess, being heard. Um, again, where is the time to do all this? Like teachers are already doing their subjects, doing pastoral stuff. They're being acting as parents, as doctors everything in one when are they just being able to teach so it, it, it's a bigger it's a part of a bigger ecosystem in terms of that but like Farah said I think in terms of where are they then able to sort of navigate the game when we're looking at it from a football perspective like when we're talking about the like the ETCs the new like emerging talent centers like are they going to be going in there are we going to get more access to talent is the talent going to be better because they're being more physically active so I guess is the starting line of the players that are coming in going to be higher as a result of that I mean, and we won't know until oh, at least another five years yeah five ten years so yeah. we'll see but it can't, be, it can't be any worse than it currently is that's what we do know yeah and at least it's a starting point right at least we're giving girls and boys but girls in particular the opportunity to be able to move their bodies to go outside to learn different sports whether or not it's from a professional football coach or just from someone that sort of picked up the game through books or whatever but at least they're given an opportunity that wasn't there before so surely it must be the right step in the right direction and then once that door's open we can then see okay can the funding be allocated differently you know where are the hang-ups where is the impact actually happening those types of things so you can tweak the system but without it actually starting it felt like it was a dead end to begin with anyway right Exactly. The ra- the race has to has to start somewhere, and I, I think we have. As I said, we'll get onto things like upskilling teachers and coaches because no. But that's have you ever had a, a, that, a rubbish what, football PE lesson? Oh my god! I don't, yeah, you just get ball. It's but ball. what I'm saying is that that's the thing, right? You go in teaching in specific 
uh, areas or whatever of teaching. Nobody goes in to to be a teacher, a full time teacher in a school to be a, a football coach, right? A specialist football coach. You're a PE teacher, so you're multi you're multi um, multi skilled, aren't you? For mm-hmm. all of these different um, what are they? Um, sports, sports. Skills, sorry, I forget the word. Yeah. So you're multi skilled for all these different sports. So you're not an expert in any of the sports, but you you're aware of all of them and you have a knowledge of each of them to be able to deliver a session for your pupils. Yeah. So. It's not going to, it might increase the participation. You're forced now to do a sport that you weren't before, mm-hmm. like you're forced to do other sports in school that you don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to work out whether it's going to make it any better in terms of then them coming out of there wanting to take up football. I think they would really? do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because there's subjects in school that you take up outside of school because you have a love for that. Yeah, yeah. So it does, doesn't I mean, have to be in, in, in school for you to want to go and do it outside of school. To be free, yeah, to it's, it, it's a good point too, mm-hmm. because I think like we're looking at things often from the elite level, like what's the elite pathway, how, you know, they're not getting professional coaching. They're not, it's not going to be top level, but there's also an argument like just go out and play, you know, like yeah, exactly. just, just have a ball. Like That's the beauty of football, isn't it? It's one of the most easily accessible sports on the entire planet. You can literally crush a can and kick, play, kick the can, which we did as well at school, but and and arguably, you just want kids to be moving and playing, and to be able to participate means that they might be more interested in watching. Doesn't mean they necessarily have to be a, um, you know, Beth Mead or a Jill Scott who were at the uh, number ten the other week as well. You know, they, they just that, they just want to play, right? That's my point, Beck. And that that was me as a kid growing up. I just mm. wanted to play football. If you told me in school, in primary school, that you wanted to actually tell me what to do, how to turn, how to strike a ball correctly without me actually problem solving it myself and actually finding that own solution, I don't think I would have developed the way I did, mm-hmm. right? When you go into the elite game, you expect those expertise, mm-hmm. right? So it's more about facilitating. Just yeah. the, the, like in, in schools, it should be just go and enjoy it, facilitate yeah. it. Yeah. And, then, and, and, then, and, then, and then at the elite should be coached because I think too much at, like, at these levels. So of course, if you're going to do it and you're going to invest that much money, I would argue then get expertise in. Mm-hmm. But the, the point of that then is then you lose the joy of yeah. the game, yeah. which you want, you want to be, you want kids to enjoy it, right? If it becomes so structured, then all of a sudden it becomes difficult. It's like it's like lessons, right? If you aren't engaged in a lesson mm-hmm. and it becomes difficult for you, you disengage. You then don't develop within that within that within that lesson, right? Yeah. So English for me, I found reading difficult, right? So then when I'm getting told to read out, I'm wanting to be naughty to get out of the lesson because I'm not quite at the level to read out. It'll be the same with sport. You start getting asked to do a skill, for example, that you find really difficult. Mm-hmm you will then become disengaged because it becomes too complicated. So, so that should be the elite end mm. in terms of the detailed coaching because that's your expertise now. As a footballer, you could potentially go and be a professional. Yeah. Why do it at grassroots and in schools oh. where it should be about the enjoyment and, 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 and you know, learning your own way whilst being guided? Yeah, so it, it, that's it's about it's guiding exactly that. and taught. It's about, it's about modelling aspects of excellence. So this really is about participation. Like there are those people who can do a cross turn, who can do a however many kick-ups and that's an example of if you want to reach these specific outcomes Mm -hmm. this is what it takes to be there so it's about you just doing your best as you can and then on top of that if you can add that or you can bring this into your your arsenal skills then that's great because that shows development but I had to learn really quickly as a teacher these are not footballers (laughs) like I promise you like I I literally when I became a teacher I was like the only thing I need to do is get them to progress first of all enjoy it just join it yeah enjoy it just join join the beast swarm and and make and make progress because if I focused on them being a footballer I promise you it would never it would never happen with the money and whatever being invested and it being spoken about so much that the focus then will become 
actually, we need to teach these people how we know it to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the enjoyment and everything, the participation will be lost anyway because they're like, I don't want to attend it. I hope not. One write me a P lesson. No, I don't want, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I ill. I've got bellyache. It will definitely, they'll be like, <laughs> that's my point. They'll write certainly letters. Yeah. I've got letters. Like, I actually used to keep them. I've got this folder. <laughs> I know you laugh. I should bring them in one day. And it's literally every time a, a, a child bought a note in, say, oh, I can't do P today, I'd be like, <laughs> that's great. Get, get yourself changed. They're like, yeah, but we miss my mum. I said, yeah, I know, but there's something for you to do in the lesson. Like, I'm talking like kids on crutches, kids with. <laughs> Hands in calf. I'm like, you can do video analysis. I yeah, but what I'm saying, how long does That's that good. take for a teacher in terms That's of good. the amount of pupils that then come and be like, Miss, I can't participate. That takes up time, right? So you're already losing lesson time by, by all of that. But that's if you listen to I'm like, yeah, quick, get changed. I'm like, so we have this thing in Everybody's not you, Irfan. No, I know, this but the like this thing, like, I know you talked about just quickly in terms of like reduced time. Like realistically, you have about half an hour, yes. half an hour's lesson when you're actually teaching. So you have incentives, like there's a thing called do now. So that means like as soon as you come into the change room, you do this thing now. And it's like meant to like motivate kids to like, they have, you have an eight minute, it used to be, I don't know what it is now. It used to be eight minutes. When Ofsted were coming, if they came to a session lesson, the lesson should start with in within eight minutes. So kids to get changed, you should be starting the lesson within eight minutes of them arriving to you. So you have things like, oh, you can get like positive points or you get, like things that incentive that helps them to be like if they get changed first there was this one girl I promise you she'll get changed in 20 seconds that would be me I promise you like you wanted her gold star didn't she I went her count did she wore it literally she wore it under her uniform she always wanted the bonus points and she was in like flash and back out I'm like Sarah how did you get changed so quick? So I miss you though, I'm number one. Like she used to absolutely love oh, it. But there are there are incentives, but yeah, I, I think like yeah. just kind of bringing it all back in. It's it's all about participation, and that has to be main. Focus. And that's and it, have, isn't it? This is isn't it all about the fact that all kids are different. We have such a wide range of those who want to participate in sports and those who really don't, who want to get involved in sports, but not from a physical standpoint. And it's just about giving opportunities to more kids. So. um I guess that's kind of the point of getting things started, getting the ball rolling, so to say. But um, I think that could wrap up our chat, unless you guys have any dying points that you have to say. We can move on to our halftime team. Talk. Can the Lionesses write a letter to the uh, RTCs or the Premier League or whoever, FA, there we go. and ask them to help invest in RTCs? Because the longer we have a two-hour RTC session every week, two two-hour sessions... We're going to be so far behind the boys' game anyway, in terms of mm. like. That and what's RTC again for those who don't know? Far regional talent camp ETC is probably a change of talent camp elite talent centers. Sorry, so they, it was RTC regional talent centers. Now it's ETC elite talent centers. But I'm saying until they change that in terms of like how many hours contact hours they get, our game ain't going to go and develop anyway. Not the elite end anyway. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. at the elite end. So yeah, I'm just like, I just, yeah. yeah, I find that part yeah. frustrating. And, and then that's why we bring that's why we bring overseas players in because they're ready made you know players whereas we ain't really bringing anybody through the, the ETCs into the um, 21 stroke senior football because they're just not ready because they haven't had enough contact time when they're younger well that's interesting but yeah that, I was my just talking yeah we were just talking about the development of like women's rugby in the US and, and looking at the, the benefits of the NWSL and what, what were the successes of that why was it why has it been you know quote unquote successful then for me, it's a lot about the university system because that, you know, between 16 to 21, first of all, you're gunning to get to that. So you get those contact hours, you get those touches on the ball because you want to be recruited. And then you're in a professional environment from 17, 18 until 20, 21. And that really becomes your job because you're being paid technically to, to be at the university. And, and, you know, without that system, it is hard to compete, I think, because you're, you're you know, 
the clubs are semi-pro, that type of thing at that age. But anyway, it's a good start. It's great. We're, we'll ask the Lionesses to write letters to all the things that we would like uh, them to write to. Maybe we can get some fans as well to write in uh, and let us know what they think the Lionesses should be uh, gunning for next. Um, but that wraps up our first half. All right, heading into our halftime team talk. We have a lot to talk about this week because a lot has happened in the Barclays WSL over here in England. Where do you want to kick off? Because there's been a lot happening. Um, I personally saw the Chelsea Man United game uh, and thought that Chelsea deservedly won. Probably Sam Kerr could have had been had three goals in the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the game. And I mean, I hate to say it as a Kiwi, but I'm, I I think Sam Kerr has is, is been the difference um, in for that Chelsea squad. And we haven't talked about her a lot, but uh, thoughts on that game? Because there was obviously no punditry, so you weren't at any games this weekend, Farah. But did you watch that game? What did you think? As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, look, Sam Kerr was for sure the difference in that game uh, between the two teams. I think she's been phenomenal. I, mean, I think, you know, if he was to pinpoint a couple of players this season, her, Bonnie Shaw, Manchester City, in terms of standouts, um, those two, I don't think anyone comes close to in terms of how they're, you know, certainly carrying their teams in big moments. I wouldn't say throughout, you know, every game, but certainly in the big moments when they're needed. Uh, Bonnie Shaw and Sam Kerr, the, you know, the two two players that have been phenomenal this year and certainly showed pure consistency. I mean, the goal itself, I mean, the, the pass from Lauren James, the vision to see the pass, the, you know, the execution of the pass and then the take from Sam Kerr, I mean, to just soften the touch, you know, a, a ball that's coming at a mad angle compared to where she's running, to just soften it off her chest and then have the audacity to just touch it over the top of Mary Earps. I mean, you see Drake got best but it was right just, now. It was just yeah, the, you know, FIFA best keeper, but the goal itself was just world class. Like, you know, arguably it's gonna be goal of the season. I can't see anything coming close in terms of like complete goal. It was phenomenal. But look, Sam, you're right, had a few chances within that game. I think Chelsea showed uh, the difference in that winning mentality and know how. I think I've said it all season. They seem to have a know how um, how to win games. I think Man United should have had two penalties, without doubt. Mm. Um, I think the officiating in terms of, certainly the first oh. one on Nikita Paris two wasn't great because I, I think that the Nikita Paris one was a definite penalty. Mm. And it was also missed a week before in the cup final against Arsenal. The, the, the same player, Buchanan, did exactly the same thing on, I think it was on Caitlin Ford, if I can remember rightly. Penalty wasn't given, should have been given if we'd had VAR. So I think that there would have been, and considering it's a big game, it's a title, it's a title game. You know, to have those, as I say, those shouts missed, 
is it, it, a tough take. I'm not saying it would have changed the course of the game, but who knows? We're never going to know now. They were definitely two penalty shells. Um, they definitely would have been given. So they would have been given. Well, what they would have given. But also, I think I think a fair point to say about Chelsea. We talk about Arsenal, right? Having uh, Miedema and Beth Mead out. Chelsea have had Frank Kirby and Harder out pretty much the whole season. Nobody has spoken about these big misses for Chelsea, and Chelsea have just gone about their business and continued to win games in the way in which they have. Without, for me, in my opinion, two key players within that squad, players that actually initiate. Chelsea's press if you notice at times you've seen Chelsea drop off and play a lot without the ball and I think it's because of that I think it's because they don't have those two key players harder for me between her and Sam Kerr in terms of their press Chelsea's press last season especially was phenomenal right without her in the team I think you have to adapt and I think that's what they've done and that's where I think Sam Kerr took the lead role in that you'll see at times she'll dictate a press there's times where she'll communicate to her players around her to sit in because she understands her players around her that can't or or aren't as, uh, not even smart, maybe maybe it's smart, maybe defensively smart in doing that, They're or, or probably not on the same page yet because they haven't played together long enough to know, but it's true what Emma Hayes says, you know, nobody's mentioned the fact that they have two key players out and have had them out all season, and yet still sitting five points clear at the top of the table. Yeah, and obviously Cuthbert weren't in the, the squad either, yeah. was Guru injured? Yeah, right and injured, as ill, well. uh, sorry, Cuthbert was injured and right and ill, so, like, so a, a lot of clash. Lot, I know, a lot, big of, a lot of key players missing from, from that game, but like you said, just I guess the experience of them and that winning mentality is, is what sort of takes them through, but yeah, I, I guess I'm always wondering like what, what could have been, because for me they were stonewall penalties, mm-hmm. like how they weren't given is above me I'd, and we talked about former players being becoming referees and Cheryl Foster right was refereeing the game um, and I don't know I just, you know, just and expect, you know what I rate you so yeah, high so highly she, just, like, she got in the line of the ball remember we yeah. were talking about when uh-huh. we were talking about yeah. players recognise it a little bit better and then just those clear decisions there was, actually, there was a few things where I was like yeah that's good she's there play on yeah, it's yeah. got a little bit of fire in it but then the other ones where it's just like they're clear it's just it just makes you just sigh like really like oh, you've got that one wrong but yeah I guess that's that's the that's the yeah. human error of, of refereeing and what are we saying do we want it to be down to the millimeter again where we're we're making decisions I think stuff like that where it's it's clear goal bound decisions yeah. yes we want that to be better in terms of potential I think the, the key one was more clear yeah okay, that, that, that was clear. that one was clear yeah. and and the fact that Buchanan got herself defensively in the wrong positions a few times this year and as you said it was only a week ago. That if you watch how she gets her body, like she does that quite often, she's in the wrong bo- uh, position defensively, yeah. tries to recover that, and always will go across the back of the defender, somebody attacker. So it's always likely to commit a free, a foul or a free kick penalty, whatever you call it. Most of the time, right? Most of the time, would... her positioning. So what I'm saying is that referees, and I know, and I was with Cheryl Foster the other the last month in mm. Rome with the referees, and she actually says she they they do they do watch games mm. because they want to be a little bit ahead of what you know certain players and how they play. So I am surprised they missed that one. I am surprised. Yeah, for me, the second one's clear. You think? Second Absolutely. one. Oh, second that's, one. I don't that's too late. Sure, the second one. Let, the, let the, me the, tell the, you, the... I'm a player who smashes <laughs> players. Yeah, and so I you know you, what you were doing. That is yeah. that is a clear penalty. There's yeah. no way she's no. Up there. That was no. a penalty. No, no chance. No, on McCabe. No, no, no. no. Badge. Carter. On Badge. The second match. Oh yeah, no, no, oh you're on about no. the Reading game. You're on about Reading. No, the header. Oh, Katie McKay. The header. Yeah, no, no, no. That wasn't. She didn't have possession of the ball, and she was sort of 
unstable going into the header anyway. And so it's not a foul. No, anywhere, anywhere no. outside of the anywhere outside of the box is that a foul? Yeah, it's done a penalty though. She is, no, but is that a foul though? The ball, they both go up for the header. Like she, she does hit her. She does like go through a bit tough, but she didn't have proper possession of the ball. She was unstable going up as well. And if you see like where the ball goes anyway, it goes like right to like Millie. So there was no, there was so, no so but I'm saying anywhere else on it. the pitch. No, but forget about the I penalty. Think, anywhere I think it would have been soft. It would have been a really, really, she could have given it. She could have given I it. I think the first one's definitely artwork. The second one would have been really soft. But it's a debate with the second one. I, I say that. The parents one. But you're I right. That's same. what then sort of made people focus on, okay, it was now two. It was definitely two. Whereas, you know, I don't think people would have looked at that second one and gone, that's 100% a penalty. Um, maybe, but no, it wasn't. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not agreed in, in, in saying it was a penalty, the second one. Mm. I was saying that it would get looked at for sure. Right, yeah. but the first one yeah, to me yeah. is a penalty. The second one yeah. is debatable. Definitely. It's not yeah. a But you're yeah. right in saying if that was outside the box, I think it would be given as a free kick. So there it goes and why ain't it a penalty? Me as a, me that. as a defender going I for that challenge, I'm saying, and I got away with that, I'd be like, Phew, yeah, yeah, I promise I, you, I know that's a foul. Yeah, that's and a, that's, yeah. that's yeah. a player mentality and that's what the referees have to struggle with every week is that players know what they're doing referees are not looking at it like that so the intent behind what you're doing like I know there were things I would do in a game thinking I'm going to do that and, and see if I can just pull the wall over the referee like you know what I mean it's like am I going to get away with it that would have been you right yeah. with that well do you, yeah, do you agree because this is one of the things I was talking to the referees about afterwards like do you think because and I think Nikita Paris is a great player so don't get me wrong but do you think because she goes down a lot and she does she is vocal when she goes down and she's looking for fouls do you think that that is one element? I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying, do you yeah. think that that would influence you as a referee too? Because you're like, I know she's always looking for fouls. I know she's going out screaming. Like, yeah, referees definitely um, look at that, Bex. Based you know on I mean? the, the conversation I had with them out on, yeah. on the referees course, they definitely look at that. But what, what a player trades. It's, it's exactly so what's the same. Of players? It's like you get a reputation, don't you, as a player? It's like they yeah. know players behave in certain ways. And of course, they look at that and th that will be in the back of their mind going in. Some referees will say, no, I go in a blank canvas. I was going to say bullshit because it is bullshit. They don't go in a blank canvas. It's, it's, it's the same as preference to other they players have. and other teams. Like, it's just it's a natural bias. When you see yes, something, it's, it's about you. How do you get away from that habitual thing that you've <laughs> that is that's in like you're like, oh, that player goes down. Da, 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 and it's natural. You're having to come away from something that is a natural default. Yeah. So. Again, this is where you have the best referees or the, the the best deliverers are able to do that, and that's what makes you the best. But well, I also most... I, I I hear what you're saying, but I also think the best referees know the players, because if you know that they're looking for those types of things, you're not going to be like faked out by different things that maybe aren't fouls, you know? Because you, you're like, oh my gosh, they're screaming, so it must be. But if you know that that's what they do, you're going to take a second look at it, but be a bit closer. So. Yeah, you have to be neutral. Totally agree. But also, I think it does help to know the players. Yeah, but you have to recognize it though, right? When it's yeah, yeah. Still if it's a foul, it's a foul. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Let's move on to Arsenal though, because um, that was a very solid match again from Arsenal. I think Monom is slowly becoming one of my favorite players. Um, That's a champion's performance. A champion's yeah. performance that was. That's what happens when you get, when you get silverware. All of a sudden, that, I also, that I also, think, I also right? think the penalty changed the game. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like the penalty decision, which again, soft. Yes, there was a bit of contact from the arm. That's the only thing I could see. Tiny bit of contact from the arm. It changes the, 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 the game. Mm. 
you know, you go go down to a penalty that arguably wasn't a penalty, and the whole the whole face of the game changes. You know, Reading are definitely trying to come into that game with the tactics of let's stay in the game, let's try and hit them on the counter, for example, let's be compact. You give away an early penalty, Kim converts, Kim Little converts. It's pretty much game over. So, you, so you can't revert back to that mentality again, then, in terms of you can't can be one. You kind of lose. You, you can. But then that's what, what the, that's what the what good I'm teams saying do. is that the, the the good teams right once you break a a, a low block or a block down mm-hmm. right once you get like, that goal, mm-hmm. it it feels all of a sudden you're you're then not forcing things right so mm-hmm. it becomes easier to then score again. Yeah, there's no more forcing. So when you're playing against a block and you can't break that down, you force. You become desperate, right? Mm-hmm. You get a penalty and all of a sudden you're one nil up. So that one goal that you need changes the whole get the dynamic of the yeah. game mm-hmm. because you're waiting for that one moment. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you don't force things. You can play your normal way. Mentally, you know, when you're playing against a block and you are trying to score a goal and it could take until the 80th minute. Yeah. First of all, the type of passes you make, you're trying to you're trying to get the perfect pass, you're trying to get the perfect goal. You get a penalty after you mm. score it, all of a sudden, oh, chill. Let's relax. Let's play our normal game, yeah. which is what Arsenal did yeah. and came into their own and then dominated completely, mm. which they were always um, going to do. Exactly. But I'm saying they could have dominated for long spells having not scored if that penalty hadn't come it's in. the mentality, right? Got frustrated. Reading yeah. could have got a that you know transition been, yeah. goal or something like that. Yeah, yeah. could have then really frustrated well, them to do the game the longer. Thing to the number nine team on the, on yeah. the roster, yeah. yeah. But I definitely think the silverware, like you heard Leah Williamson talk after the game, you know, nothing has changed in terms of the togetherness within the team but something has definitely clicked mm. so it's always been there but something just clicked it might have been mm. uh, that 45 minute against uh, Chelsea in the cup and then getting that silverware all of a sudden now they're playing the way but they we're do. champions isn't it it, it yeah. shows that actually if, if this is the best <laughs> if this is the best team if this is the champions if this is what they've got to deliver yeah. and we can beat them mm-hmm. like all of a sudden like we're, we're great and I'll give a, a rubbish example so in my in school, my sister was like quite a, a big character and my little brother started that secondary school and a lot of the other kids were like, oh yeah, it's like she's the, one of the strongest in the school, so she's really big. And he's like, well, I fight her at home, so that means I must be up there in terms of like one of the key kids yeah. in school. And I'm like, you're year seven, you can't be like a big dominant figure yeah, in school. Yeah. But he's like, nah, because you're scared of my sister. So I'm second rank because mm-hmm. I can fight my sister. But yeah, yeah, yeah. who's the biggie? Sure. No, the big, yeah, that. But I'm talking <laughs> Liverpool, Tottenham. You lot's team, right? Oh. You lot's Spurs. Nine, uh, nine beaten on the bounce, right? We've been talking about it on the pod for a long time. And like, you kind of like, you, you know, yeah. think back to the beginning of the podcast, at the mm-hmm. beginning of the season, we kind of all spoke about the teams that we thought would finish in the top three. And it kind of become our little bit of a joke, right, about, mm. about Tottenham. Not that we have, or I certainly don't have anything against them, but mm. it was more the point of, I actually didn't think off the back of last season they would fit in the top three. Which, yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the season, Earth for you and, and Bex uh, both thought they would, right? My point is the investment from 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 Spurs and Jan Skinner and the players they brought in, they have underachieved massively this season. Yeah. Big time. So 100%. this was just about timing. It wasn't like I was asking the question a few weeks ago, like at what point, and look, because the game's about, pre- the, the manager's under pressure now. The amount of investment within the game, it's a results-based game now. So these managers that aren't getting results and are looking like they're falling down, at some point, you then have to question the manager. Like in the men's game, if you go on a, a nine-game unbeaten, or sorry, beaten run, you're going to be questioned as a manager. No one in the women's game seems to ever want to challenge that. For me, I was saying weeks ago, look, we have to ask these questions. Why is Rianne Skinner not being questioned or challenged about the results and the performances their team are getting? Yeah. Yes, they had a tough run of games. They had Chelsea, they had Arsenal, they had, they've had a tough run, Manchester City, 
But to go away to a newly promoted team in Liverpool and lose 2-1, mm-hmm. it was only a matter of time before, you know, somebody mm-hmm. was like, look, you've got to go. We are like three that- off bottom. Guys, is that the third or the fourth um, manager we've lost this season? We lost Hope Powell to Brighton. We lost uh, Leicester City, changed their um, yep. one as well. Is this the third yep. one? Yep. Um, yeah, it is. Three or four, three. At least yeah, three, three, right? At least yeah, three, three season. Three. Like that's, yeah. that's quite a massive difference because we were talking about that. You were talking about that at the very beginning of the season. You know, I think in Hope's situation, Hope's, 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 Hope's wasn't a sacking. Hope wanted to leave the club. She, she felt it was time that she moved on. So Hope's, Okay. Wasn't a second. I actually think Brighton would be in a better place if they'd have kept hold of her. Yeah, that's yeah, my opinion. Right? Because actually, they've lost their way. They've oh, lost there is four seconds. Four out of the Lions. The Brighton on. manager, you're right, Bex. The Brighton manager got sacked. He only had Brighton been manager. in the job for four four two, weeks, wasn't it? Two months. Yeah. Two months yeah, of yeah, whatever he was. So and he, the, there's a shift, isn't there, like this yeah. season? Because we and didn't right. have that. We didn't see that as much in the women's game. You saw it all the time in Premier League. You lose two games, you're out. But in the women's game, this is a little bit more of a trend now, isn't it? They're desperate to stay uh, in the league because for me, once you fall out of this WSL1, it is tough to get back up into it. Yeah. It's tough. And mm. financially, like especially with the, the financial prizes, like the difference between finishing ninth and, and eighth is massive. It's like 100,000. 100, yeah. For the women's game, it's big. Yeah. So you thinking about those positioning. Are, Man, uh, sorry, Spurs have invested all of that money. Their prize money, if they finish second bottom, third bottom, is going to be poor. Really, really bad in terms of... I know the investment's not, but mm-hmm. her, like... These teams, they will be looking at that. Spurs would have been thinking full fifth. Going into the season, they would have been thinking, let's finish full full fifth. That would have been their their their, their ambition yeah. from the beginning of the season. That's 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 their ambition. Okay, but come fifth. on. You, you, so you thought third. No, so why are they any different? No, I had a little bit no, of no, no. This is a serious. This is. No, I'm being, uh, I'm being, no, I'm being serious. serious now. But they would have thought that based off of last season's performances. They were good last year. They didn't yeah. concede goals. But then they had Rachel Williams up front. They had exactly. different, they, they had different personnel. And if you look at what the other teams have done in terms of like Villa, Liverpool, West, they've all ab- invested in terms of, I guess they've kept a, a core structure, but the players that they've brought in has added to it. What Tottenham's done is added good quality, but they've also yeah. taken out good quality. Mm-hmm. So they're, so they're, they're not adding in terms of becoming a better team because the baseline's gone even lower because they've removed other, other, team, um, other players. So... I guess for me, and I think Bex was saying about Premier League managers like getting sacked after a certain amount of games, there's only a few a few teams in the WSL anyway. So you, the, the fact that you've been given nine games, that's basically half the season, oh, half the season gone. to lose yeah, to, to make that decision. <laughs> I know, like, man. That is, oh, like, how do you good. to lose half of your home season? It's not good to have to walk out the door and be like, well... That's number nine. I think I might be out now. I mean, that's it's not a good look, is it? Like, well, where, that's where a, go from lot. there. But it's a lot of games. That's a that's a that's that's half your season. Like, yeah. it's it's. And I guess what does that say? I guess I in terms of player morale, because they're like, if we keep losing, nothing's changing, everything's the same. H- how we got how what we're going to do differently? There's going to be players who who are not playing who most probably mm-hmm. think I should be playing, mm-hmm. and I'm not getting a chance. And these guys are still losing, and I still can't get a chance. Like, what's the effort that you're putting into training? Like, I don't even know if you're even going to be bothered because you're like, oh, the team's going to be the same. They've been losing all the time. She still ain't changed it. It's the same majority of players that are in. Like, and that's the thing in terms of like I the morale and the bars around the club. I don't know how she couldn't get the best out of the players that she had there. Their team's better than last season, mm-hmm. right? Their, t- their squad is better than last season. Yeah. Fact. The absolute fact. Apart from Rach Williams, who was a goal scorer for them, mm-hmm. their squad on paper is very good. A competitive team, good players, right? How, as a manager, was you not able to get the very best out of those players? 
I don't well, know. We'll see what the next manager does yeah. because that will be super interesting moving on to, to you know, finishing up the season, seeing if Tottenham will stay in that number 10 position. They're only one point above Brighton and two above Leicester City with nine points. Um, but speaking about you, you just said um, training off the pitch and that, that all of that work that's going on. What we've seen Bunny Shaw do this season is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, okay. she is, again, the number number one, number two player in the league right now again on the score sheet for uh, sure. highest scoring like that? player from for sure. you like that for sure <laughs> putting her number in there and sure for sure for sure <laughs> she's number one like uh, come on like mate. she's got to be number one the I can't records, wait in. she broke the record this year she broke what in yeah, terms of the city yeah, yeah, yeah like and we're not even the season's not even over and like, she hasn't been there yeah. and she hasn't even been there that long like, like unreal I, I think we've talked about it before like the Caribbean is such an untouched, like, resource. Of I told you already, I wanted to un- get this girl years ago. Maybe. It's unreal. It's unreal. <laughs> I think her coming in, like, that she just fitted in the team. Like, she just brings that buzz. Like, the players look like they enjoy playing with her. She looks like she's enjoying being at Man City. And yeah, I just can't wait to see her just hit the back, back of the net even more. And yeah, really, it's, it's, it's great for the league. It is, it's a great story for the league as well. So keeps that fourth spot alive. Right? Do you know what also I think is so cool about her is to see how raw she was just a couple of years ago and to how polished she is as a player now. It's so great to to look at that development as a player. So for young girls coming through, the amount of work that she's putting in off the pitch to really hone in on her skills. I mean, her first touch has improved immensely. Like We mm. used to watch her play for Jamaica, you know, five, seven years ago. Uh, to where she is now, she looks like a completely different player, and that's that I think is really cool because she's clearly taken it into her own hands and gone. I'm going to be the best player I possibly can. I'm not going to rely just on Man City's coaching. I'm not going to rely on just Jamaica. You know, a lot of issues with the reggae girls and that Jamaican team of getting not lack of funding basically. And she's just gone. I'm going to do it, and she has. I don't think she's even at her at, her at her best yet. I think, and then coming in here and playing a a higher level of football. I don't know if you've seen the pictures in Jamaica, but you, no, your, your first I, touch, maybe it was in there. But yeah, I think obviously, as you said, Beck's performances is mm. is through the roof. And I think she's only just getting started. Mm. Uh, if I'm yeah. being dead honest, <laughs> that's the scary. Yeah, it's so scary. Like she's got so much more to give. I'm talking like I know her. She's got so much more to give. Yeah. But from what I can see, <laughs> like, yeah. I think she's gone from, as you say, probably full time and probably getting a level of coaching because Man City are a very structured club in terms mm. of their coach detail. I remember I was just to speak to Jill about it and she was like, look, the coaching here is tops. So it's no coincidence she's improved technically. Mm-hmm. And even her game understanding, I think it's her game understanding that's probably improved more so than anything, which allows you that more good players, you know, good players find their own time, right, to do mm-hmm. things. Fair. And that's what she's become a player that seems to have a lot of time on the ball. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think certainly yeah, it's really good. the top two in the league. Very good. All right, so that wraps up our halftime team talk. Like we said, lots going on here in the UK. Um, Amazing players to watch. And heading into the second half, we are going to take your questions because we had some really good ones this week. And the first one, Ursa, this is a good one for you. Being able to be in a position to make changes in women's football. If you could make one change in women's football right now, what would it be? Um, I think for mine it would be not one that maybe people would think of, but it would be to utilize more of our former players into the game and and their experience. Mm. I think the game's growing at such a fast pace and it's becoming a lot more commercial. 
I think we're we're missing a trick in terms of what our game has been, I guess, in terms of the foundation, utilising players up and down the country in terms of their insights, experiences um, and their voices, both, I guess, on the pitch, potentially in sort of coaching roles or within clubs, but also from a, a governance point of view um, in terms of like, I don't know, being a consultant or, or helping to shape the game. Um, because they they know it best. They've they've been in the game before there was eyes and ears on it, before there was all this funding. Um and what is a good practice, what is the thing that's helped it get to that that level before and how can that support in terms of the game mm. going forward. So for me yeah. it would definitely be bringing bringing back some of those those ex players and getting them involved more in the game. Nice. And it was a good question from WSL Collective. Thank you for sending it in. And we, we, we follow you. We watch your, your platform as well. So thanks for showing all of the women's football things going on around the world. I think for me, it would be actually really similar, like on the same lines. It would be an autonomy and governance. And, and what I mean by that is rather than having the, all of the influence in trying to fight within a structure that's been built by men for men for men's football, is actually to have an autonomous uh, the autonomous system where we can govern the game by ourselves. And it doesn't mean all women and it doesn't mean, you know, just former footballers, but it does mean experts that are in the women's game. It does mean bringing in expertise from the men's game, but really being able to make our own decisions. Because I think the biggest thing that's hindered the women's game for so long is just a lack of proper marketing, you know, looking at it as its own commercial entity, looking at it for its own brand uh, and being able to really... I don't know, make it fly as its own thing. Um, so that would be for me what it is and obviously more investment, but I think you can get that if you govern it the right way. So over to you. Um, but yeah, I agree too about the um, getting more f- former players involved because you know that's one of the reasons why I started Crux Sports was trying to help consult and bring that expertise into the different stakeholders in football. Um, and I do use former players as well. So any former players out there, if you're looking to get back into it, hit me up. All right. And on to the next question is from Melhami23. I like this one. I like this one a lot. If Jordan Knob stays consistent, should she be on a plane to Australia? And I'm sure you meant to say New Zealand as well, Melhami, in the summer. <laughs> um, I, I guess for me, if she's one of the best performing players at, at that time, at the end of the season, um, then, then yes. But I, I don't think we should put players on the plane just to put players on the plane and I'm sure Jordan wouldn't want to just be on the plane because she's Jordan and everyone loves Jordan and she's played well for England and, and club before I think it has to be done on merit I guess Serena's going to have to look at the dynamics of the team but I think the selection just has to be done with clear integrity um, and with the goal of br- bringing back the trophy I think that's that's the main aim like what's the best hybrid of players that can go away and execute the job um mm. and I'm so glad it's not me that's having to, to make that decision yeah. <laughs> um yeah I'll pass it on to my fellow teacher Serena to do but yeah if she's if she's right in terms of performance in terms of the hybrid of players that are needed to go and execute the job at the time and she's on form then that should be the case and it shouldn't be overridden by maybe someone else who's got a more high profile name on the back of the shirt etc for me it's always about who's performing well who's who can do the job get them on the plane and, and bring the trophy home 
Yeah, because at the end of the day, it is the the team vibe that has to be right, isn't it? It's mm. all the pieces in the puzzle that make it look as the best as a whole. And I also think it's a good question because for me, it's about picking players that are at their peak. And mm. if you have players that have a name, like you said, like a Fran Kirby, let's say, who's been injured for Chelsea and ill for a while. Do you bring her because you know what the potential that she has to do for England, or do you bring a player that is just in that peak performance? And I think that's always been one of the biggest challenges for coaches. And as a player, you know, I always want just the best players at the time. You just want to win the games. And so, you know, for me, it was never about the big name players, but I know a lot of coaches still prefer to go with those big names because of their potential. So, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. I think it'll come down to the wire for Jordan somewhere. Yeah, it's about, for me, I think it's about balancing out, I guess, across the team. Like, is there a thing where if you don't take a specific player for whatever reason, who is on form, but actually you can compensate that elsewhere across the personnel within the team? And then maybe that other player who, you know, actually potentially hasn't been well or just coming back from injury, like a Chloe Kelly, but actually what she brings when she does come into play then you're, you're willing to take that risk because it is such a substantial difference. Mm. And we, we've seen it work in the summer. Like, look, Chloe was sort of working her butt off to get fit, ready for that squad. And then, look, it's like a, a, a fairy tale, right? She comes in the, the final game. She's been obviously an impact player throughout the tournament, but comes and scores that winning goal. Um, someone who wouldn't have been able to be, I guess, on form in terms of long-term across the season because of injury. But actually it fits into the squad's ecosystem and what you need in terms of resources to be able to, I guess, place those arsenals on the pitch as and when you need it, when the game needs changing. So, Is that why you got her jersey? That way that's, 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 that's it. That's, that's why I got her jersey. But do you know what? She Before the tournament even started, the Euros, I actually picked her as the standout player, some as a player to watch. Um, maybe because she wore 18 as well, which is my favourite number. Maybe because she's a QPR fan and all these sort of great reasons. <laughs> so nothing to do with her performance. Just nothing. like <laughs> I, I, that, that had to be there. That's that's a default setting. That's a given. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm yeah, excited cool. to see what what the World Cup has to offer. Yeah. Same. It'll be a great summer. All right, guys, thank you so much for sending in your questions. Um, and as always, please keep them coming. Let us know what you want us to talk about. I heard from a birdie that we might have a special guest on you know, next week or the following. Um, and we'll be looking to get some more players on as well. Let us know who you want us to bring on as our guest. Thank you all for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye. Ciao.